AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It's Friday. It's November 10th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And that's that's what you've guessed. It's a Friday. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, not your normal meat market. Craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. Pay them a visit this weekend, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. We'll have the $100 gift certificate giveaway a little bit later on in the show today. In addition to that, when you are today's winner, come with your weekend bet. If you don't know what it is that we do, uh, we'll put $5 on it, and we're hoping to have some money for charity at season's end. So far, we are 7-3 and three on the year, looking to get back into the winner's column this weekend. Let's set the scene, though, with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, Jonathan Gannon officially announced that Kyler Murray will be the starter for the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday. Who wins Sunday in Glendale? And Bob had a great conversation with D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitute. If you missed that conversation, talking all things Falcons, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. But apparently, D's conversation did nothing to persuade people to be on the Falcons' <laughs> side because this has flipped Cardinals out in front at 57% of the vote. Falcon, Falcons sitting at 43%. Well, also, the betting market has not changed at all since Murray's you know, been named the starting quarterback. You know, maybe because it was assumed and reported like literally three weeks ago that this was the date that they were targeting for his return. So, you know, guessing the people that uh, bet early in the week just kind of assumed this is the week for Kyler Murray. Uh, so we'll see if that if what happens with that. But uh, this line's been basically sitting one and a half pretty much everywhere for several days. Uh, so I don't think it's going to change before Sunday unless there's you know, some kind of uh, injury situation. And I really don't know who on these two teams quite, uh, uh, would really dictate an injury change as far as a point spread goes. So we'll see. This is the closest the Cardinals have been uh, to being a favorite all season long. Might be the closest they get all year. Uh, the only other game, looking through their schedule last night, that might be close to this is when they play the Rams at home on Thanksgiving Sunday. Uh, but uh, they haven't been a favorite in any game so far this year. They weren't a favorite in any of the games that were posted before the season started. You know, some uh, sports books post every uh, a line for every game of the entire year. They were the only team in the NFL that wasn't favored in one of those games, and they have not been favored in a game so far this year. This is the closest they've been. 
You mentioning that it's been basically a pick on one point, one and a half point spread. I'm curious here if the Falcons would have hung on, not allowed Josh Dobbs with no practice reps with the Vikings come in and lead them down in a game winning drive. Would this have been three and a half, four and a half in favor of the Falcons? I'm not sure. Let me look up. In fact, I can look real quick here. You, 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 you say a couple other quick things here, and I'll look this up. With the over the the look ahead line last week, I'm not sure what that was, but I can find that in a matter of like two minutes. No problem. To your point, though, about what you were talking with D. Orlando Ledbetter and asking him this question about what you think of this Falcons defense. I think there were signs that this Falcons defense, and also statistically, it backed it up. They were ranked like sixth in the league with pressures and and what they were doing with their defensive front. And then in the last two weeks. Uh, it seems yeah. like they have certainly not held up to those statistical measurements in the beginning of the season. And then we saw what Josh Dobbs was able to do on Sunday and especially a lot of that coming uh, with his legs in that drive. Yeah. And D also mentioned all their missed tackles the last two weeks against you know, Derek Henry and then last week against Dobbs. So no doubt there. Uh, their defensive numbers have suffered with going against Will Levis and Joshua Dobbs the last two weeks. This game was a two. It was a two last week before that uh, Atlanta game, so not that big a difference. So you know they, uh, they, uh, you know the odds makers last week didn't think much of the uh, Falcons even before that game on Sunday. I guess I'm a little bit surprised about that, but. Maybe to your uh, you know, point that you opened up with that everyone really thought this was going to be the date for Kyler Murray, so that line was already built in with that number. Correct. Yeah, I think you're exactly right there. I mean, that's the only logic. You know, logic and point spread sometimes don't always mix, <laughs> but I'm going to use that. As an excuse, that, that's what, I'm going to stick with that line and keep going with it. So there you go. We will officially provide our answer and plenty of time for you to cast your vote up until 1230 today, kdos1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at kdosam1060. Pac-12 action. Who do you have ATS on Saturday in Seattle? And the masses unable to bust out of their tie here. Utah plus nine and UW minus nine. Yeah, and this is a game, you know, the weather is supposed to be nasty uh, in Seattle, which wasn't predicted early in the week, but it certainly was. I you know, I didn't look for like a 24-hour period because I was looking for the highest number. I did get a 10 on this game. It's pretty much nine, nine and a half. Uh, you know, there are you know, a couple of places. There's even a couple of eight and a half if you go offshore. Uh, so if you have that ability to do that, so you can look around and, you know, whatever side you like, you can kind of get what is the best number for you, uh, at least at this point. Uh, it's supposed to be rain and winds up to 25 miles an hour is what I saw yesterday in the forecast. Now, also keep in mind, you know, weather forecast in the month of November, I would, if you're betting, uh, if you're, if the weather influences your betting, whether it's college or pro, I would, uh, especially in certain parts of the country, uh, check you know periodically, uh, and, and not uh, maybe make a half bet. This is what I've done in the past: make a half bet, and, and, and basically when you get closer to game time and check your weather again, uh, then maybe make the other half of the bet at that point. 
We'll answer that question around 1230 today. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Pay them a visit, 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler to pick up your weekend specials. Eight-ounce Butcher's Blend Steak Skewers at two for $15. Prime Boneless Butterfly Pork Chops at $4.99 a pound. And Fresh Natural Jumbo Party-Style Chicken Wings at $4.99 a pound. Plenty of college and NFL games for us to discuss here momentarily. Brian Blewis, he's back this week. Pro Football Network, 12-15 to discuss the NFL prop bet action for Sunday. A little bit about the Arizona Cardinals, though. They are hosting the Falcons this Sunday from State Farm Stadium. Kyler Murray officially back as QB1, and he met the media yesterday. Some takeaways in anticipation of his first start since December 12th of 2022. He was asked, what are the expectations right away? Is it fair to not expect the Kyler Murray from before right away? Something that we've discussed throughout the week, something that Jonathan Gannon, Drew Petzing, everyone has pointed out as well. He says, no, I understand the thought process. Every time I touch the field, I'm trying to do my thing, obviously win, but do it at a high level. I understand the thought process behind take it slow, don't be too hard on yourself because I missed all the reps. So to go into it thinking that so i hear what he's saying but that's not in my head yeah i listened to part of this last night and then i just kind of shut it off quite frankly um because you know he's not exactly a quote machine uh so if i'm looking to learn things and i'm not going to learn anything from the cardinals coaching staff which i've established several weeks ago and uh just you know murray's not going to saying that's going to make a difference in what i think about this game quite frankly uh, so we'll see what's up, up with that. They are 1-12 since he last started the game last December, by the way. The Cardinals are. That's not good, right? No. That's, they weren't all that good the last few games he started, though, too. <laughs> so, But I know they're 1-12 since he uh, went down that uh, – was that the first Monday night in December last year? It was in December. It was December 12th. Last year. Okay, so the second – you know, do my calendar math here. So that would be the second Monday night, most likely, in the month of December. So since then, they've won one game. Uh, the other questions and takeaways here: What do you think your physical and when? Excuse me. When do you think your physical and mental matched up in your recovery process? He says, "I mean, I've been itching this whole time. The mental, you got to be mentally locked in, regardless if you're off the field or on. It doesn't just turn on. That's my kind of thought process behind it. Physically feeling like I can go out there and do what I want to do. That was kind of around the nine month mark. Got more comfortable once I." felt good for consecutive weeks on then it was able to ramp up from there yeah I, that, that, that totally, I, I totally respect any professional athlete that has to go back and you know especially somebody that depends on his legs and tears his ACL and is to my recollection really never really been hurt before so this has got to be just an ordeal for him and I'm you know choosing my words carefully here because I, you know, I'm obviously not the biggest Kyler Murray fan, but what he's gone through here and what other ath professional athletes do is you know, really something that maybe I should recognize more uh, and so forth. All that being said, I don't think he's going to really know where he stands until he has you know, guys on the other team trying to hit him, because I'm sure that he hasn't been touched in practice so far. Uh, so that, I think that's the, the 
first time that he uh, and us will get an idea of where he stands, no pun intended. Well, to your point with that, there were a couple of questions. I'll lump them together here. Are you ready to take your first hit was the question. His response, I'm not going out there thinking about getting hit, but usually it just happens, you know? Then he was asked here, are you thinking about the knee? And he said, I mean, if I was thinking about it right now, I wouldn't even be out here. You know, people ask that question, but I can't get better if I don't trust it. And, you know, running for the first time, I'm limping, I'm scared. And then I see a video of myself and I'm like, that don't look right. So immediately the scariness goes away. And then the cutting, same thing. So in order for me to get better, I just have to trust it. Yeah, we've heard a lot of quarterbacks over the years, whether they've been coming off of injury or just not even playing in a preseason game, saying, you know, I want to get hit. Sometimes I've heard that. So I don't know if anybody really, quote, wants to get hit, but I don't think that they really know where they stand until they get hit. Was that Carson Palmer who said that? Like, I want to get hit, get that first hit out of the way? There's a bunch of dudes that have done that. I mean, you know, Rodgers has done that from time to time, too, because, you remember he didn't play in a preseason game forever uh, until this year with the Jets. Uh, and then the final couple of takeaways here, uh, he was asked what stands out to him about the offense because he's been able to have a unique perspective of it being involved, but on the sidelines, and he says how close we are. There are a couple of plays a game where we shoot ourselves in the foot and we really aren't that far off. People may think we are a bad football team. We're not a bad football team. We got to clean some things up and we need to make more plays. And that's what it comes down to making plays. Well, I'm sorry. I think they're a really bad football team and I think they have the least talented roster in the NFL. And there are thousands of plays away from being a good football team. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard him say how close we are, my initial thought was, oh, he's talking about the relationships of the guys on the the roster. They're a close-knit group. I didn't realize he was talking about just being a couple of plays from being able to hit that explosive meter and, and move the chains until he continued to answer the question. Um, okay, that sounds fair. Well, he's yeah, he's been friends with Hollywood Brown for like a like a decade now. So what the heck? Yeah, they're close. <laughs> what I thought they were going with. Uh, so yeah. and then the final question here that caught my attention: How have you seen the culture change with Jonathan Gannon? That culture topic was big in the preseason and training camp. I've seen a lot of people like Buddha, DJ, all the quotes about night and day. I would agree. Obviously, we've won games in the past, but JG and Monty comes down to accountability and everybody doing their job, everybody holding each other accountable and setting that standard. Well, the best thing is we haven't heard this culture crap for several weeks now as they continue to lose games and rarely be competitive while losing these games of late. Sunday. It, it gets started. The Cardinals versus the Falcons. It's a 2.05 kickoff time on CBS. We'll, of course, officially answer what we think is going to take place on Sunday as part of our poll question around 12.30, the KDOS1060.com poll question. But on the other side of the break, we get things kick-started for Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We'll start in the world of college football. You guessed it. We'll start with that Big Ten contest Michigan and Penn State, and we'll see if anything comes down 
uh, the airwaves while we're on about what's going to happen with Michigan and the sign stealing. They say they're supposed to have some sort of resolution to this or something here this afternoon. So we'll see if uh, that takes place. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. It is the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060 on this Friday, November 10th. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's time to dive into Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials for you, 8 ounces, Butcher's Blend Steak Skewers at 2 for $15, Prime Boneless Butterfly Pork Chops at $4.99 a pound, and the Fresh Natural Jumbo Party Style Chicken Wings at $4.99 a pound. Pay them a visit. Let's get into the college football games, and we'll start with Michigan and Penn State. Uh, Michigan minus 4.5, Penn State plus 4.5, over-under sitting at 45.5, and, and this is coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Michigan's offense ranks third in points per drive. Michigan's defense ranks first in points allowed per drive. Per drive. Meanwhile, Penn State ranks first in turnover margin at plus 14. And uh, we still mention this about Penn State's offense is that they only have 24 plays of 20 plus yards this season, which happens to be the fifth worst in college football. Penn State, though, does rank first in sack rate and second in pressure rate. So can they have an impact there on J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, I have no idea because neither of these teams have played. You know, Michigan's played nobody. And uh, Penn State's played one good team, and they basically got manhandled by Ohio State. Uh, so and not a clue. Uh, there's no chance in hell I'm taking De- uh, James Franklin. I almost said Dennis Franklin. He used to be a quarterback in Michigan in the 70s. James Franklin in a game that uh, a zero and nine. Last nine times they played a top five opponent. They've lost them all. Uh, obviously he's had a tough time beating Ohio State and/or Michigan. Um, so I, I have no idea. Uh, I'm not taking. There's no chance I'm taking them. Uh, I'd like to take Michigan. I wish the number were a little tighter, but it's not. There are fours out there readily available if you want to do some shopping. If you're on Michigan, there is there are several minus fours, including in the state of Arizona, that you can find. Uh, so there's that. But uh, yeah, I don't care about the off the field stuff. You know, even if the Big Ten does something today, uh, Harbaugh's lawyers already uh, already to go and set a uh, get a temporary restraining order on whatever decision that they try to make. So I think it's almost next to impossible uh, to think that Harbaugh is going to have some kind of – not going to be coaching tomorrow. Also, you know, you would hope, and I don't think it's happened yet, that uh, the Big Ten, if they're going to do something this week, they would do it by the time Michigan has left the state of Michigan to Happy Valley, and they're gone. They're on their way to Happy Valley now, and they still haven't done anything to my knowledge. 
Uh, Alabama and Kentucky. Alabama minus 10.5. Kentucky plus 10.5 over under sitting at 46.5. This happens to be the first trip for Alabama to Lexington in a decade. Jalen Milrow, a look at what he's done this season. 64.8% completion percentage, 13 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. He's doing a lot of his work on the ground. 97 carries, 297 yards, and 9 touchdowns. Alabama, though, could be without two defensive starters in Deontay. Lawson and Jalen Key, so something to monitor there. Flipping this to Kentucky's side of things with Devin Leary at quarterback. 1,905 yards for him this season and a 57.4% completion percentage, 18 touchdowns and 7 picks. But he's been really good the last two weeks. He was injured without a doubt, playing injured early in the season, which we talked about back in September. And uh, he's been excellent the first last two games. But I'm not taking Kentucky. Then again, Yes, uh, hopefully their stupid running back who guaranteed victory the night that they played night before they played uh, Georgia and Athens. Hopefully he keeps his mouth shut. Uh, but you know I'm not taking Kentucky. Uh, Alabama's defense. You mentioned there might be a couple of guys out. They've gotten much better. You know we all understand that Milrow has made a big difference and he's improved as a quarterback. Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, has really they play much faster now on offense than they did earlier in the season. I think that's because they have more confidence now in Milrow. And their defense, getting back to that for a second, you know, they obviously had the terrible game against Texas where they gave up a bunch of big plays. Since then, they've given up very few big plays, except for a couple of Jaden Daniel runs last week. Uh, but they've allowed 21 or fewer points in every game since that Texas game. Texas Tech and Kansas. Texas Tech plus three and a half. Kansas minus three and a half. Over under sitting at 62 and a half from FanDuel. Texas Tech is a disappointing four and five on the season when you look at their preseason expectations. This year they are one and three in one score games. If you compare that to last year, they were four and oh in one score games and they finished the year eight and five. Question for Kansas, is it Jason Bean once again? He had 287 yards through the air last week against Iowa State. Kansas is sitting at 4-2 and two in conference play. Yeah, I, I no, I'm not a big fan of Bean. I know some of the network people are. They think he's good. I, think, I don't think he's very good at all, quite frankly. Uh, they're 5-0 and zero at home straight up this year. Um they need one more bowl win or one more win to be bowl eligible for a second consecutive season. Also, uh, they need to, you know, they, they haven't won more than five conference games since 1995 when it was the big eight at that point. Uh, so they've got some incentive. I've got no interest in this game personally. Um, you know, Texas Tech last, last, uh, last week defeated the bad TCU team. And the only reason they won that game is because TCU is worse than Texas Tech. Miami and Florida State. Miami plus 13 and a half. Florida State minus 13 and a half. Over under sitting at 50 and a half. It's likely here that Florida State on their way to the conference title game uh, is likely to be double digit favorites the remainder of the way. For Miami, they've lost three of their last five games, a few of them in spectacular fashion. Question for Florida State, what's the health status of the wide receivers, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman? Uh, And then I think the other thing here is Florida State has a tendency this season to kind of – 
play a little bit slow. Uh, but then when they really certainly uh, limit the turnovers, uh, don't have those negative plays, they are absolutely far and away better than Miami. Well, they've been a tremendous second-half team. I don't have all the numbers, but, I mean, they, they've dominated second-halves against teams. I don't know if that's coincidental or it's uh, halftime adjustments, which some people tell me now that they really – there aren't halftime adjustments, which I completely think that's a crock. Uh, but, you know, I've been in halftime situations and seen – the video of college halftimes, there's plenty going on. It's not just we're going to go in and get some more Gatorade and come out and go, yay, team, let's kick some butt in the second half. Uh, but there's that. Uh, Van Dyke, uh, he may not play for Miami. That may not be a bad thing for Miami. He has 10 picks in his last four starts. Last week, zero touchdowns for Miami when they lost at NC State. Tennessee and Missouri. Uh, so this morning it was Tennessee minus one and a half, Missouri plus one and a half over under sitting at 57 and a half. It's been bet this morning. Tennessee is now sitting at minus two and a half, Missouri yeah. plus two and a half over under 58 and a half. This is interesting here because this game could have plenty of implications down the line for both of these teams if they want to play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Tennessee, if they were to do that, would make a New Year's Six Bowl two years in a row. If Missouri were to accomplish that, it would be the first time for them in the last 10 years. Tennessee, though, has won five of their last six games, and they've certainly been taking away the big throws. They're only ranked 120th in completions for 20 or more yards. Instead, they've been riding the run game, averaging 183 rushing yards per game and 6.3 yards per carry. Question for Missouri side of things, will they bounce back after some disappointment that they had in Athens? Well, the biggest question for Missouri is whether their best player, Luther Burden, is even going to play. He got hurt in that game against Georgia last week. It seems unlikely that he's going to play. Um, you know, they you know, talked about it this week and didn't tell anybody anything because it's college football. They don't have to tell you anything, and they don't usually. So we'll see what's up with that. This has been a mismatch the last couple of years. Not that that matters, but... Uh, in fact, uh, Missouri has allowed 60-plus points the last two times they played Tennessee, including last year was 66-24. to 24. Uh, Brady Cook, the Missouri quarterback, has some good numbers, but he's been awful at the end of games in their losses to LSU and Georgia last week. Really bad fourth-quarter interceptions in both of those games. It's Tennessee or nobody for me. I'm guessing that the line might have moved. Uh, maybe there's been for, uh, more news on Burden this morning. But he's more – if he doesn't play, he's worth more than a half-point line change. He's, he is by far Missouri's best player. Uh, Utah and UW, we'll get into much more depth about this as we answer the poll question for today. But uh, the line currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook app is plus 8.5 Utah, minus 8.5 Washington, over-under sitting at 49.5. UW ranks 124th in rushing success rate on defense. So can Utah find that success on the ground and play keep away? UW had success of their own running the ball last week against USC with Dylan Johnson, 26 carries 256 yards can they find that same success this week against utah's defensive front and then here's the other question about utah's defense in general can they stop and or slow down michael Penix jr how many yards did johnson have last week 256 he had like 400 for the season before that because they just don't run it 
and they could against USC. Uh, so there's that. Uh, you know, you mentioned some defensive stats. I'll mention one more defensive stat. They're just kind of old school. Uh, Washington's allowed now more than 400 yards per game on defense, and they never take the ball away. You know, they have a plus. They're at a minus three turnover ratio. I'm guessing there's not a whole lot of undefeated teams in any level of football that they're minus in turnover ratio and they're still undefeated. Good luck with that. Uh, you know what? We'll take a break here, and when we come back, we'll finish up college football. We'll also make sure that we touch on the local contest with the U of A on the road at Colorado as well as ASU on the road at UCLA. So we'll finish up some of the other key matchups across the college football landscape here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Uh, at, right now, there is a really cool app contest taking place. Some tickets for you on the hardwood. All you have to do is uh, download the KDOS 1060 app, register. That's all that's needed. Pretty simple contest for a cool prize ahead. More college football discussion here in the Extra Point as Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits continues next. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays going around the world of college football for the weekend. For Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, vonhansensmeats.net. Let's head into the SEC. The old, old Miss, and my uh, screen has gone away from me, Old Miss plus 10.5, Georgia minus 10.5, over under sitting at 58.5 from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Old Miss, though, has made some strides this season, but I think there's still that caveat that you have to to factor in. Lane Kiffin against these big-time SEC opponents. He's still 0-3 against Alabama, and this happens to be his first test against uh, Georgia, but Georgia being a formidable opponent just like an Alabama team here. So can they match that physicality? Ole Miss, though, they're good at explosive plays. They have 30 plays of more than 30 yards this season. Uh, Ole Miss has also held opponents to 17 points per game when they are able to get turnovers on defense. Meanwhile, Georgia hasn't committed a turnover in two straight games. Ole Miss may be without a key offensive lineman in Micah Pettis. And then if we're just continuing to highlight what Carson Beck is doing this season, 72.2% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, and just eight sacks on the year. I believe we're up to seven games in a row where he's had at least 250 yards passing, which is, you know, a team that wants to run the ball. That's a pretty good you know number for him. Uh, Brock Bowers may actually play in this game, by the way. Uh, he's been running in practice, and the Kirby Smart did not rule it out yesterday, or maybe Wednesday, earlier this week, uh, that he would be playing. Unfortunately, their leading tackler, uh, Damon uh, D- Dumas Robinson, Damon Dumas Johnson. I'll get that right. I, you know, Robinson, I don't know where I got that from. Uh, Damon Dumas Johnson. That's a, that's his name. 
Uh, he's out for the rest of the regular season. Might be back if they make the college football playoff, but you know, he suffered a knee injury last week, so that's a big deal for them. Uh, one other quick thing about Mississippi, uh, they've been really good at home on offense and not so good on the road. Uh, and that includes Jackson Dart, whose numbers are much different whether he's playing home or on the road so far this season. Texas minus 12 and a half TCU plus 12 and a half over under sitting at 54 and a half numbers on FanDuel Sportsbook Quinn Ewers he's set to be back in this contest for Texas TCU though is just two and four in Big 12 play and they've lost two straight in addition to that I, I'd have to think that TCU will try everything they can to derail Texas's season here but Texas just too much. Yeah, this is a much bigger game for TCU than it is Texas. Texas could care less about TCU. And uh, TCU, uh, they no idea when they're going to ever play Texas again, if ever. Uh, no reason for Texas to schedule TCU after this year, obviously going to the SEC. However, if you're into the historical thing, which I personally think is nonsense, but if you are, the last 10 times that these teams have played, Texas has lost seven of the 10 times, straight up. A lot of those with Gary Patterson, right? That is correct. Who's now on the Texas staff, by the way. Yes. Uh, but uh, Quinn Ewers, uh, I don't understand why. I don't think there's any need to rush him back this week because I think TCU sucks. Um, no, it, you know, but apparently he's going to play, according to Sarkeesian. And you know, the kid wants to play, I guess, and you know, he's going to play. But... I would be more safe about that than they are, apparently. So we'll see. US it's a big difference when he's in there, though. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, Murphy hasn't been good. USC plus 14 and a half. Oregon minus 14 and a half over under sitting at, holy moly, this has moved two whole points from this morning. 76 and a half now. Alex Grinch has been fired as D coordinator from USC. Does that really change anything? Running back Bucky Irving could have himself an absolute field day on the ground for the Ducks. And technically speaking, though, if USC wins out, a Pac-12 title game is mathematically possible for them. So there's still something to play for here. Uh, will USC's offensive line be able to protect Caleb Williams? Uh, yeah, I haven't done a very good job of that this year. Uh, that's something that hasn't been talked about enough. And, uh, yeah, he's running for his life on a regular basis, and he's been hit a lot and so forth. You mentioned the defense. They've allowed 44.2 points per game in the last six, and so Grinch is out. I don't think it really makes much difference. I just don't think they have very many good players on defense, and certainly they can't tackle. And I don't know if that's necessarily all Grinch's fault that they, they have guys that don't have the heart to try to make a tackle. So we'll see what's up with that. Uh, yeah, Oregon still has USC and Oregon State on the schedule. I don't know if they had USC poses much of a threat. You mentioned a two-touchdown favorite in this game here. Uh, but Oregon State, that's always an interesting game. But I think the one thing that hasn't been talked about enough regarding Oregon, they are second in the conference in defense. Granted, they've only beaten one team above 500 so far this season, so that would be your negative for Oregon. Uh, U of A and Colorado getting here locally. U of A minus 10.5, Colorado plus 10.5, over-under sitting at 54.5. You can catch this game 12 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks. 
U of A is already bowl eligible. Meanwhile, Colorado is sitting at four and five with three remaining games left on the schedule. Shador Sanders has been sacked 45 times this season. So can U of A's defense get after him? Despite so many sacks, though, he has 24 touchdown passes and only three interceptions. And I do want to highlight Noah Fatita here uh, for the Wildcats. He has found something 76.2% completion percentage. Yeah, and why wasn't he the starting quarterback to begin with? Uh, yet another question that Jed Fish is not answering. Uh, the reason that the U of A has improved this year is not because of their offense, which should be better even with Fafita at quarterback now instead of Delora. Their defense has been really good. And Johnny Hansen is their defensive coordinator. He's done an excellent job recruiting. Uh, they've got a lot of they got a lot of portal guys, and he was responsible for almost all of that, apparently, at least according to the Arizona Daily Star story I read a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he's coached him up, and they've only allowed 13.3 points per game in these last three straight wins against Washington State, Oregon State, and UCLA. And something to pay attention to, uh, the University of Arizona is face- facing a financial crisis, which they've uh, somehow uh, miscalculated $240 million. So they have a financial shortage. <laughs> Uh, This is a coming to a report uh, that came out earlier this week. So with all of that in mind, there's going to be potential layoffs happening to the university and other cost-cutting measures, which could lead to sports programs being eliminated at the school. So that's just something to monitor uh, for the U of A down in Tucson. ASU and UCLA. ASU is on the road, plus 17 and a half. UCLA minus 17 and a half, over under sitting at 44 and a half. This game as well on the Pac 12 networks at 7 p.m. Reports suggest Trenton Borgay should be back and able to start for ASU. For UCLA, I'm not quite certain if it's going to be Ethan Garbers or Dante Moore at quarterback. I think the questions here uh, are, can ASU find a way to slow down UCLA? And can ASU move the ball on UCLA? Yeah, I have zero interest in this game, quite frankly. Um, I watch it because ASU is playing. I watched some of it. I didn't watch more than 20 minutes of the ASU game the other day because when I turned it over, they were already losing by 100. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, No score would surprise me here. Um, you know, that I will say one thing that if you know, UCLA rushes for 100 yards, they're going to win because they've never lost a game at UCLA with Chip Kelly when they've rushed for over 100 yards. They did not get to 100 yards last week against the U of A. And they were completely out of quarterbacks except for the one guy who can't throw a pass from me to my television in front of me. And they can only run because the other two guys got hurt last week. It's an interesting statistic there about 100 yards in the Chip Kelly era because that doesn't really seem like a, yar- a lot of yards on the ground in college football, but obviously Chip Kelly has kind of that scheme in mind with what he wants yeah. to do offensively. It's kind of a you know wonky stat, too, because when he first got there, when DTR wasn't even the starting quarterback, his first game of his freshman season, and then eventually became, they, they, they were awful on offense those first two or three games. So I'm guessing some of these negative stats go back to that first you know cycle of games when Kelly first got to UCLA, which they were really, really bad.
Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits continues on the other side of the break. We try to tackle the NFL on Sunday. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Uh, visit them at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. More from the Extra Point is next. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Wrapping up hour number one of Extra Point on this Friday, November 10th edition. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We're continuing Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits as we dive into the NFL slate of action. There's a very early morning game, a Germany contest. I saw last week that the Chiefs and the Dolphins had set records for international games. I have to think that this contest is not going to follow suit. It's the Colts and the Patriots. Colts minus one and a half, Patriots plus one and a half, over under sitting at 43 and a half from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Uh, The Colts defense is giving up 235 yards passing per game and 125 yards on the ground. So the question is, can the Patriots offense do anything? Maybe give the ball to Ramadre Stevenson. Meanwhile, uh, what's kind of the usage looking like for Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss at running back for the Colts? I have no idea. Lots of injuries in this game, mainly for the Colts. Josh Downs, who's been a very good wide receiver for them, apparently out because of injury. Arguably their top two defenders because, you know, Shaq Leonard's not any good anymore, it appears, for whatever reason. Uh, But their top two defensive players, their run-stuffing tackle, Grover Stewart, is one of the best in the league. He's been suspended uh, for several weeks. And the NFL's leading tackler this season, if anybody, uh, Zaire Franklin, is likely out of this game because of injury also. You also have more weird things happening on the Patriots side of things. J.C. Jackson didn't even travel with the team. Uh, Bill Belichick saying he's likely to return after the bye week, uh, but obviously you don't have somebody who you traded for in the secondary playing in this contest. 40- but he'd already been he'd already been demoted. I mean, they, they, he was you know a healthy scratch last week because he showed up late for the team hotel on Saturday night last week. They just scratched him from the game. Yeah, him and. Uh... Was it Jack Jones started like started from the bench, but it was just one series that Jack Jones missed, I believe, in last week's game. 49- that, that I don't know. 49ers and the Jaguars. 49ers minus three, Jaguars plus three, over-under sitting at 45.5. Both of these teams coming off of buys. It looks like Debo Samuel is going to be coming back. Uh, He has been practicing this week on the injury report. Chase Young was added at the trade deadline. This has also been interesting, and maybe we have not talked about this enough when talking about the offensive struggles for the Jaguars and then the improvements of the Jaguars on the offensive side of the ball. Left tackle Cam Robinson, since he has returned, has allowed just five pressures on 162 pass block snaps so far. Uh, So the question here is, is that going to be enough against a defense that obviously has been challenged this week to get after the quarterback? Moving Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator, from the booth to the sideline. Yeah, they'd be better off if Steve Wilkes just stayed in San Francisco and didn't make the trip. That's my opinion. Uh, but whatever. I don't think it's a Steve Wilkes thing necessarily. I think this all comes down to Trent Williams. 
who was a limited participant in practice yesterday. Uh, you know, they've been really bad on offense since he got hurt, and he got hurt and played the rest of the game against Cleveland three losses ago. They've lost all three games now. He's played not played the last two weeks. Uh, yeah, Hendrickson had a field day uh, against the 49ers a couple of weeks ago, and Williams didn't play in that game. And uh, the week before, Minnesota, um, I forgot the pass rusher's name. Not, not Hunter, but the other guy. Uh, anyway, same type of thing happened. When he, Williams hasn't played, I don't think there's any accident that their offense has basically been bad when he hasn't played. And if he doesn't play in this game, you got Josh Allen uh, from uh, for Jacksonville, who's had a really good last few games here, kind of coincided with their five-game winning streak, which is now the longest in the NFL. Uh, they've won all these games, and yet Jacksonville's still a home underdog. The Saints and the Vikings. Uh, early in the week, this was two and a half. The line has moved now. Saints minus three, Vikings plus three, over under sitting at 40 and a half. The Saints defense have four interceptions and two fumbles against their opponents in the last two weeks. You now have Joshua Dobbs with a week with the Minnesota Vikings here, but we've seen a lot of him in the first nine weeks of the season with the Cardinals, or the first eight weeks in the season with the Cardinals. And then the question here for the Saints, have they started to figure some things out on offense, and has Derek Carr figured some things out on offense? I don't think it's a fact of him figuring it out. I mean, I just I'm kind of amazed how this comes up on all the talk shows and whatever. The dude was hurt. He suffered a shoulder injury. And just watch him play. And most of these people on these talk shows do not watch the damn games, apparently. I mean, he's thrown the ball down the field with effectiveness the last couple of three weeks now. He's a healthy player. He was not healthy earlier in the season. So we'll see what happens with that. Justin Jefferson has returned to practice a little bit, uh, limited, but uh, there's a lot of talk that he's not playing until the contract situation is figured out. Yeah, he has a contract extension uh, that he wants, and that's been not given to him. And uh, it, uh, he, uh, some people at least believe in the NFL know that once he gets a contract, he's going to be healthier and play. Yeah, Derek Carr certainly figured it out, airing it out against the Colts. Kind of back to not airing it out as much last week against the the, the Bears. Um, and they had to come from behind to get that victory. Well, he made a big, long play at the end of the game to put them in position to win. That was a deep throw. That's true. To Kendra Miller there? Uh, I don't remember. No, it's a wide receiver. Miller is a running back, so it was a wide receiver. What's the guy? I never get this guy's name right. The guy with the wonky name. Oh, you know, Foster Moreau. No, I'm sorry, not him. The wide receiver guy. Rashid uh, so Shashid? That, that, that would be him. Okay. Yes. We got it. There you go. Uh, the, yeah. uh, let's see here. We let's... went through everybody but Alave and, uh, and, you know, and Michael Thomas. We, we, we've covered the entire running, uh, wide receiver roster now, for, the receiver roster, and running backs, for that matter, for the Saints. Yeah, we They just... need to get the ball. To, speaking of that, Kamara needs to get the ball more, which used to be he gets the ball too much, and now he doesn't get it enough. Yeah, he only had nine carries in that particular game. And then um, he, you know, I'm actually a little bit surprised when you're thinking about uh, the quote-unquote dinking and dunking that he's not more involved in some of the screen game. Well, they haven't dunked and dink lately, so that takes him out of the equation there. But, I mean, just run the damn ball with the guy. He's really good still. 
More NFL games to get into for Friday's spread. We'll do that to kickstart our number two. We still have the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits available for you. We'll also step aside and make room for Brian Blewis around 12.15 today. Brian coming to us from Pro Football Network to talk all things NFL props for the Sunday slate of action. Plenty left to get into in addition to answering today's poll questions in hour number two of this edition of Extra Point on this Friday, November 10th, back after this.